0: Welcome to a great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard. Joining me today, as always, are my co-hosts, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. It's a great one because LSU took away a win this weekend from Florida. Uh, I don't know. You could call it an upset. You could call it destiny, whatever you want to call it. But the Tigers, uh, escaped, well, I would say escaped also with a 49-42 to 42 win over Florida in Tiger Stadium. For those of you who are there, I know it started early, but it definitely paid off. Uh, I think the co-hosts were there. They can talk about that as they would like to. Um, and it was actually 49 to 42. That's actually the most combined points I heard from these two teams in their like 68 years, I think, combined of, uh, you know, of playing each other. So, you know, just I don't know what to make of that. Uh, I mean, I know Ty Davis-Price had himself a day. Uh, And there's also some other news to get to Um, LSU might, uh, might have a coaching change at the end of the year, as you may or may not have heard as of this Sunday. Um, People are asking when that might happen. Well, it happened today. And it sounds like it's going to be a kind of like a divorce where, you know, you're just basically separating, you know, uh, just irreconcilable differences. Um, We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the game too, of course. And uh, you know, where the Tigers go from here in both respects but before I do, I want to check in with you guys. Cause A, I you know I know the uh, uh the fate of the Tigers has been on all of our minds, but also, you know, you, you guys are at the game, so yeah, I mean tell tell me, you know, tell us, tell you know, Tiger Nation what that was like. Cause at the time you didn't know, you know, what was happening with Coach O, but it's like it seemed like the Tigers I don't know. It's like they were playing differently, it seems. So you could talk about, you know, what it was like to be at the game itself, but, you know, also what you saw on the field, maybe.
1: Well, yes, yeah, Scott, it's going to be back with you for another uh, edition of Talking Tigs. Um, I mean, you know, I'm glad I went. Daniel can testify to this. By, I'm like Monday or Tuesday of last week. I was like, I'm not going. I don't want to support <laughs> this. I hate We, you know, we've, we've said on this podcast numerous times, that 11 o'clock game should be illegal. Uh, I don't feel like I should, you know, I didn't feel like I should be a part of it, of, of this despicable act of, of uh, having a game at 11 a.m. So Monday, Tuesday, I wasn't going. Wednesday, still wasn't going. Thursday, I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I'll go just just to show, you know, I, I saw somebody talking about um how many recruits were going to be there. And... Uh, you know, oh, this could be a big recruiting day. Like, there, and I was, like hey, you know, please come out because, like, if, if we only have like thirty thousand in the stands, like, it's going to be embarrassing, and that's even more embarrassing than you know what we've had so far. So I was yeah. like, okay, like well, maybe I'll come, and then like when the damage gets bad, I'll leave. So I, I I warmed up to that, but I mean, Daniel didn't even know if I was coming or not on Saturday morning. You left before I did because people started tailgating at seven thirty in the morning and so i was like uh so then i ended up going i'm glad i did um tigers get a win but i think daniel will will agree with this the biggest winner uh on that saturday was the sun because me and daniel are absolutely cooked
2: yeah i I was gonna start off with a riddle what's purple and gold and red all over (laughs) the answer is me and to another extent tommy because we got we got blasted by the sun it wasn't it, it was hot, but not not in like a just physical sense because I mean, it was like 65 degrees to 70 kind of by the end. But the sun was just in your face uh-huh. the entire time, which is kind of overloaded you. Um, but the yeah, like Tommy said, I was at my friend's tailgate at 845 in the morning, which is the first time i had done that in a long time. a boy. Uh, <laughs> but we, we had a, a good time, long game day. I uh, had to wake up early and then showed up like Tommy was saying, as far as the capacity I would say it was pretty comparable to the Auburn game in terms of fullness if I had to put a guess like 80 percent full I think so and
1: then the thing that I noticed was different I don't know what about the Auburn game because it was close like throughout the whole game like now I mean we were we were getting beat on the field but the score wise like we were still in the game most of the time I mean we were leading up until the last quarter we had the last like half of the quarter a fourth quarter but I don't know if you noticed this too but like People cleared out after the third quarter in the Auburn game.
2: Yeah, like, I guess it was because it started so late. Like, it was I almost guess, 11, yeah, it was 11 p.m. at that point. But this one was kind of the reverse. Like, it almost felt like it got it more, got more, f- pack, more yeah. full as the game went on. I guess people shook their sleep off and, and made their way to the stadium. And by the end, uh, everybody, like, was doing the gator chomp people did stay till the very last second because it was in doubt until about the last like three minutes when, uh, Damone Clark picked it off and yeah. then it, it was over. But, uh, and then people were cheering in the tunnels on the way back home doing the, uh, sucks to be a Florida Gator chant and all that. Um, one, personal favorite. <laughs> so, so it was a real fun time actually. Um, still on the recovery using the aloe vera, uh, but we had a really good time. And then like you mentioned regarding coach O that was kind of out of the picture for the most part, I was expecting there to be like a lot of booze and stuff. when coach O kind of came into the field, uh, to start it off, but that wasn't the case. People cheered it on and it wasn't much of a talking point. I would say, obviously that's the big talking point of today. Uh, but it was good to see the Tigers actually put a good product on the field in front of a lot of
0: happy fans. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and you know, I was, I was saying, wow, it's, if they'd have played like that, you know, against Auburn, I think it would have been a totally different game. Um, but the Tigers moved to four and three and guys, I just got to tell you, the sun is always going to be undefeated. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, it's got the best, it's better than Saban. Okay. It's, it's better coach than Saban. If you want to put it that way. But um, I think it was a, a good win. I, you know, you, you could have seen, you, you could have looked at it like, well, maybe the Tigers felt like they're playing for their lives, you know, or Cocho's life or whatever. Uh, I would say he was coaching from that standpoint because that's, I feel like that's been the case since the end of last year. But um, I don't know. They just, they came out with a different fire and they went up, what, 21 to six, like right before the half. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I think, do you think maybe something had to do with that team meeting? Because Coach O said that Andre Anthony called a team meeting and he didn't really discuss what was said. You know, they never do. But he kind of just, Laid out what he saw was going on with the team. I mean, that's that's probably like a better tell the truth Monday. You know, if you talk about what you did, like yeah, yeah, you know, I let that guy off on coverage, or oh, yeah, I didn't do this, or I missed that tackle, or whatever. But if you have one of your own players, like one of your leaders that's been out since the beginning of the year almost, uh, basically laid on the line and say what's what's wrong with the program as a whole. I don't know. He said the the guys were playing or practicing with a different fire this week. I heard that, and I thought, okay, maybe that's just more coach speak from Coach O. But, I mean, the way they started that first half, it, it kind of it seemed to, to hold some water. I mean, they just they seemed like they were playing different, right?
1: Yeah, it definitely seemed different. Um, it, we've talked about it before. I really think that – I don't think anybody would argue, maybe with the exception of talking about the offensive line, we have the talent. Like these yeah. are, these are highly touted players. I mean, the, the funny thing is like on D, de- I mean, we're gutted on defense right now, as far as like day one starters, you know, we're playing Radarius Jones at corner and Dwight McLaughlin is starting and Sage Ryan, the true freshman who again, you know, is five-star highly touted in his own right. But I mean, he was not expected to come in and start at Nickelback, which is where he started and played the whole game and played pretty well. Um, so I do think there was like a little bit more of a, of a, uh, uh, a fire under this team, I guess, but, um, I will say, and this is not, I don't want to take any, I'm not trying to take credit away from LSU, but we had five picks like, or four. Okay. We had four picks and I, I don't know if we necessarily have that. If we win this game without those, I mean, that's, yeah. and that's good plays by us, but, um, both of Florida's quarterbacks were pretty much exposed against our, like second string secondary yeah. you, you know when you think about it like those were pretty terrible picks too like they were getting I mean, they're good plays by our by our players but um I think that those were really the difference for us
2: yeah and it was a pretty swingy game too which I mean the final score LSU won by seven but and yeah like you had mentioned we were up 21 to six but Florida controlled the game at the beginning LSU, the, the, it was a little bit slow out the gate. The gears were starting to turn, and then we, we finally kind of locked it in, I think the first interception uh, drove that home, and then uh, Ty Davis-Price ran out for a nice touchdown, and then after that, two quick ones, I think, off another pick from Emory Jones, and he was really struggling kind of early on in the game. And then once they made the, the switch to Anthony Richardson, I think kind of late in the second quarter, that's when Florida really kind of found their stride, And then they came back all the way through the third quarter to to tie it at 35, 35. And LSU had been pretty happy for most of the game up until that point. And then everybody got a little tense because you kind of saw the writing on the wall, that LSU was going to do what they always like to do and kind of choke it at the very end. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thankfully that wasn't the case obviously, but it it was like, like I mentioned up in the air until the last two minutes. Uh, But the improvement especially in the ground game which we've harped on for weeks at a time is literally immeasurable considering Ty Davis Price set the single game rushing record by two yards yeah uh but that, that was crazy to watch I, I turned to Tommy in the stands I was like where did this come from like it was a, like it's, he would like he was running with his eyes closed before and now now he can see and just like you know, he sees the hole and bursts through and he's off like uh, it's there and then like, where has this been for the past four weeks? Well, you know, and I've, I haven't gotten a chance to watch,
1: re, like rewatch uh, any of the game, like the highlights of the game yet. Um, and really like look at it. But from what I've heard, I've heard a lot of different people like uh, Blake Rafino and AYS talking about how uh, we moved. And we did, you know, we had some success running the ball last week. And now this week we have, we, you know, we've had, we had a lot of success, probably the most success we've ever had, you know, um, because we moved to a gap scheme as far instead of uh, the zone blocking scheme. And so, um, you know, in order to run it, in order to run like a, a zone, zone run attack, you have to have very, very talented uh, offensive linemen who know uh, who can, who can, you know, it's a, it's a lot about like chipping a guy and moving on to the next level or understanding where um, where the linebackers are and be able to get to that second level while, not allowing a defensive lineman to to penetrate past the line, so uh, I think the, the gap scheme is a little bit you know it's it's a lot more. It, it sets up for more physical play because and I guess whereas zone play is more finesse play for finesse based play, you see a lot of um, zone teams like Oregon was this way uh, back when Chip Kelly kind of like turned this into like the you know a, a big uh, his his calling card the reason that they, that people opted to use this type of blocking scheme is that they didn't have the big sec guys, the massive, uh, you know, tackles and, and guards that could just absolutely, you know, destroy people. And so they had to do be more finesse wise. And, and it was more about angles and getting, getting bodies in front of people. Um, I mean, we have big, we got, we we sure do have big guys now. They're not, I don't know how talented they are, but, but we have a guy of like big guys. And so it seemed like they they uh they were put in positions to succeed a lot more.
2: And then we basically ran the same play, the same running play, like right side. I think between the guard and the tackle, like over and over and over. And people were saying online it was almost like a in the computer game when you find the glitch that the defense like can't stop. And that was pretty much what Florida did. Like they knew we were going to run it with Ty to the same spot, and then he would just rip off. Eight yards, nine yards, and just keep going and going. Uh, and I guess Jake Peetz is like, as long as it's working, might as well keep going back to the well. Yep. And he didn't have to make Max Johnson make any crazy throws uh, like he was trying to against uh, Kentucky last week when he's throwing deep in the secondary into double triple coverage, and then that kind of kills your drive. Uh, and it shows the benefit of the good running game, and the offensive line's got to get a lot of credit for stepping their game up as well uh everybody, all the players themselves on Twitter were uh congratulating each other and saying what a great job they did
0: yeah and they and they did I mean, like you said uh, uh Ty Davis Price set the record for for rushing yards uh in, in all of lSU history thirty six carries two hundred and eighty seven yards, not that many yards separate him from the last two guys, but um I don't know. You can say in those years that guys and Fournette possibly had a better line, but uh, you know I think maybe the, just the scheme was better. He also had three touchdowns, and it, it seemed it a, like it was it, a different game back then too. I will say that you know. Yeah, that's when we were run heavy. Yeah. You know, this one we weren't we weren't supposed to be run heavy, but it's like we we, it, we were non run existent up until like the last two games ago. But I, I feel like it was that, and it's you know it wasn't. I don't think it was an instance where Florida was just like all right, we'll give him the run and we'll just make them beat us that way. I wouldn't uh-huh. the case because obviously uh, Florida is, is way above us in the run game. Uh, they weren't too far behind from t- Kentucky. I think they're maybe top 50 or so out of 120-plus teams in uh, you know Division I. But they just, like you said, they, they couldn't stop it. So why change that? I mean, that obviously you know reflected on uh, Max Johnson's numbers. He only had like 130, 33 yards, but he did have three TDs. So it's like they they used the run and that was great, but uh you know, they they didn't completely abandon the pass, they just didn't need it as much. And then, you know, defense kind of helped out too with some of that. I mean, uh Dwight McLaughlin had a, a nice pick six, but I think overall just you know, if you said they changed the scheme that I think that helped them and uh we just looked better. And Florida, I don't think anyone what they were like a twelve point favorite, twelve and a half, maybe.
1: Yeah, but then it, it closed it um, closed
2: at twelve, right? Uh huh. So LSU definitely exceeded expectations. For yeah, everybody. I think pe-
0: people were probably wondering, you know, is Florida going to be able to cover twelve? They they couldn't even win the game, which was <laughs> awesome. I, I you know I I envy whoever picked the over because it was just way over whatever. I don't even know what it was, but I think
1: the over was like fifty
0: four or something like that. Yeah, and here yeah. we are at uh, seventy. No. 91 sorry (laughs) 91 we almost topped 100 in this game that's crazy uh but I don't know anything else about the offense like Max you know he he was himself there was some some good passes like right on the money some that kind of weren't I don't I don't really remember too many drop passes this game um but it's like everyone had a good game I mean I would say you know you know uh Dre Jenkins it was not really a coming out party. I mean he's been there the whole year, but I mean he did have three TDs. Yeah. Uh we, we knew someone was gonna be the step-up guy because we lost uh Keishon Butte for the year. I kind of thought it was gonna be Malik Neighbors, but I you know I guess it's it could have been anybody on this game, and it just happened to be Dre Jenkins. So congrats to him. Still, you know, the, the passing game, 133 total yards, not that great, but again, we we just used it when we needed to, apparently.
2: Yeah, I think the point is that like even with uh, Keishon Butte out, like we don't necessarily need a true like number one wide receiver given the depth that we have as long as everybody else is capable and it seems like they are for the most part. They spread the ball around like Jack Besh had a couple catches as did Brian Thomas. We didn't see a whole lot of Deion Smith or Coy Moore in this past game, but they've both shown or, flashes as or well. Trey Palmer.
0: So, I think he had one catch for one yard or something like that.
2: Right. So obviously you want Coy Moore, one of the best, or not Coy Moore, uh, Keishon Butte, one of the best wide receivers in college football. It sucks to lose him. Uh, but as long as we can maintain balance and effective run game, then it shouldn't be as hard of an issue as it may necessarily seem right off the bat, in my opinion. No, I mean, we don't, we, we, we have like, we talked about it before our wide wide receiver wise, we
1: have like maybe the best wide receiver core in the country. Um, we just got to be able to get the ball to him and and get him in space and let him make plays. And, you know, uh, Jare Jenkins did that. He got, he, we gave him the ball and he was able to score three touchdowns. Um, I've, yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm wild by Max's play, but that's like I think that what, what, like, that's perfectly fine for him. I'm, I have no problems with, it, with him, you know, having a buck 32 and three TDs and no interceptions. Or did he have any? He had yeah, no. No, no, no picks, no fumbles. Yeah.
2: And he took one sack, I think. So yeah, I know. Right. Yeah, he
1: did get that. Okay.
0: Um, two, two half sacks, I think. What <laughs> or what? Yeah, one sack.
1: But, uh, you know, like, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that. That's, and he doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to go win every single game. He doesn't have to be the star every, every game. Um, So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, that was, a, that was a very, very, very good all around game. I, I have to also give a big shout out to, uh to Damone Clark. Uh, because I mean, yeah, you know, we, I remember going into the season, we talked about linebacker being probably, probably the most, um, the most questionable part of our defense, uh, on, at least on paper, you know, we thought, well, our our um, our defense line is going to be stout, deep, and some of the best you know talents in the country. Uh, we have the two best cornerbacks in the league, in the league, and we have uh, you know, Jay. We heard a lot of good things about Jay Ward coming in as, as a safety. Like that, you know, that was kind of the the normal thing. We were like, well, you know, I think we'll be good on the secondary, but the linebackers were really where we had concern, and from all of his time at LSU, I had had not seen anything great from Damone Clark. Um, You know, he wasn't, he wasn't the next Devin White. He wasn't the next Debo Jones, but this year, and it it seems like at every game he's getting a little bit better. He's really started to step up this game. I think the beginning of the year, he wasn't, I mean, especially against UCLA. I mean, nobody was good against UCLA, but he wasn't specifically. Um, But last, I mean, last night, he i'm sure it was he, he was our tackle leader right
2: yeah he actually leads the country he leads the in country ta- in tackles, tackles. tackles right, right now say that. which isn't necessarily the best stack considering that means you're on the field a lot having to make tackles but at least you're you're coming through and doing what you need to do well and that's what you want out of a middle linebacker right the middle linebacker you know he needs to he, he should be the tackle
1: leader you know yeah. and and i'm i'm impressed i'm impressed with his uh with and he's playing a little bit better in coverage obviously he had the game ending uh interception last night or yesterday morning yesterday afternoon but um yeah I, you know i think i think he's he's been somebody who's really really stepped up his game um even from week
0: to week yeah definitely and just you know the defense as a whole uh i'd say in mean, that first half they they were they were looking great uh they, you know they were forcing florida to go back and forth i don't know i would imagine they would have stuck with emery jones had he been able to do things but i mean he had what two picks already they went with Richardson uh, and even he threw two picks towards, you know, at least by the end of the game, but up until like, well, I would say halftime, but up until five seconds left with halftime uh, LSU was looking great defensively. You know, they were, I, I feel like had there been in, you know, you talk about the offense, uh, this score could have been easily 35 to six slash 13 before. Cause remember LSU, just kind of hurt themselves with some penalties. We had a lot of big gains. One was actually a touchdown that was called back, you know, because of holding. There was another one that was called back because of a block in the back or another holding on a wide receiver. So it's like this game could have been blown wide open, and I don't think anyone would have seen it coming, especially not Florida. But here we are, 21-6, to right before the half, and we have to talk about this because it's, I don't know, as good as they looked otherwise in the half – you can just tell this. This was probably not a situation that they really practiced all that much, and that would be a hail mary. It's like who, you know, who's going to need to throw a hail mary against LSU? Not. <laughs> it hasn't really been a situation this year. I'm guessing they didn't practice it because if you go back and look at the tape, they started with three defensive backs with their heels basically on the goal line, and you know the the play the ball snapped. Uh, Emory Jones moves around, throws a hail mary, and it was one guy kind of surrounded by three LSU guys, but only one of them was really looking at the ball. But he was looking at they're, the ball. Just, yeah. That was so
2: weird. The LSU players were just standing there watching. They just kind of were like, just standing, looking <laughs> off to the side. It, I and know. It was, always, it was the defense and almost the whole stadium was kind of dazed at the play. Like, everybody just kind of like, like, oh, there it goes. And then just plops into his hands. I when he threw it up, I was like, man, this guy's going to come down with, it. it's going to be a touchdown. Like, I was just, I
1: was like, knowing us, I thought that was going to be like, the, the momentum, like killer. And that like, that was how they were going to end the half, and then they, and then Florida was going to come back out and just you know skull drag yep. us.
2: Yeah, but it's not Left how it was. It.
0: Yeah, it wasn't the case. But yeah, I just I I think I I wanted to watch the replay just so I could take a picture. There's one guy, 31, I think it's Cameron Lewis. Yeah, he was facing the back of the end zone. Like in what situation, like there's no players there. He was what he was basically trying to block out Jay Ward. That's the only thing I can think of is it's retribution. Remember two years ago, there were two Florida guys like blocking each other during Uh a game. I, to me, it was the same thing. He was just trying to box out Jay Ward and he had
1: Florida minus 10.
0: (laughs) I don't know. There you go. There you go. That, that explains it. Uh, But anyway, had that not happened, I think LSU would have gone in the game in the halftime much better off, but still, I mean, ultimately they won the game, but I just feel like that gave Florida that much little bit more confidence. Like, you know what? We're not out of this yet. And then, you know, to start the second half, it was a little bit better, but after this, after that second half, man, it was just a barn burner. It was back and forth constantly. And you just knew, all right, LSU's, we're going to have to outgun them. Well, not outgun, outrun them. And we did. Cause I think at halftime, Ty Davis price had already equaled like his, yardage for like the previous uh six games i think but then after halftime he just added to it and, and ultimately set the record but um i don't know yeah you just thought it was like a bend don't break defense for the rest of the half until damone clark got that interception we really didn't know you know and it was this guy richardson which could he could run and pass so he's a <sighs> big
1: guy too i didn't realize how big he was yeah he looks like cam newton out
0: there yeah Exactly. Um, But I will say this uh, to their credit, you know, there was the four interceptions, which, you know, there was one to seal the game, which was awesome. But um, aside from that, if you look at what Florida had done all year, they were, were they're really good running team. I think they were, I don't know if they were top five, but they were definitely top 10 running offensively in this country before this game. But LSU held them to 138 rushing. Granted, they they gashed us for like 350 passing, but you know, with all the with all the people that have been out this year, I mean, we we I mean, still haven't talked about this, but you know, there is what three players that dropped out, or excuse me, are medically ineligible for the rest of the year since our last game. But they held Florida to 130 yards rushing. That's I think that's awesome. Something you know different happened because they're Florida's a good running team. We, yeah, but- you know, we... I was going to say
2: there were some make mistakes over the top in the secondary. I think that is largely in due part Par for, to, the Par yeah, for the course. Part for the course. The lack of experience plus just kind of miscommunication uh our second starting cornerback Eli Ricks also is hurt out for the season. So He's we were down. down Stingley and Ricks. Uh and then like Tommy was mentioning earlier we had like basically our third and fourth string filling in uh and they let up a few big plays but ultimately I guess kind of did what they needed to. Hopefully, they can tighten that up. Uh, the D line played pretty well in terms of like getting pressure on the quarterback, uh, and it's not really that much to say. Linebackers was all right, obviously, especially Anthony Richardson did kind of bamboozle us a few times, kind of on the run pass option, uh, yeah. sneaking around the outside,
0: especially in the uh, red zone,
2: right. Uh, As long as we can kind of fix that going in, because we've got another big-time quarterback in Matt Corral next week who's definitely going to test this young secondary for Mm -hmm. all it's worth. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, We're going to get to that home is tennessee game in a minute. But it was good that they were able to, I don't know, just kind of build on some confidence because, you know, uh, I'd say most Tiger fans would agree they didn't expect us to win – this one really, I don't know if they expected us to win any of our remaining sec games, just based on the last two weeks that we witnessed, you know, with Kentucky and Auburn, but I don't know, maybe something's different now. Uh, you know, we are going to get to this obviously, but uh, I, I think a lot of it had to do, maybe I'm hoping with Andre Anthony, you know, hosting a, a players only meeting because the, the coaches can do what they need to, but at the end of the day, once you're on the field, that's on the players and I can, Put so much blame on Coach O. We all could, but I don't know. Still, it's like you expect with all the talent we have that some of these players would have to have some accountability for themselves. And I don't know. Like I said, they just they seem to be playing differently, especially in the first half of this game. So hopefully, moving forward, um, there's there is that maybe kind of like what we saw last year. They just they they're tired of losing and they they turned it around. Now this goes to what we're one of our main topics was uh, you know Coach O and you know, how long would he last the season? He's going to finish out the season uh, as it seems uh, he's, you know, they're just going to mutually part ways, but I don't know. It's weird. It's kind of like the best of both worlds. The the fans and the administration are not going to have coach O next year because they're not happy with the products, but you know, coach O gets to finish out the year. He basically gets to be his own interim coach. So maybe he can turn things around and we can just go undefeated. Uh well maybe, maybe except for one game, we all know which one that might be. But still, it's like what if what if he did finish the season undefeated or maybe with just one I'm more what? loss? Yeah. Wouldn't that be something?
1: Yeah. Um you know, there'd be I, I can guarantee if that happens, there'd be a lot of voices saying, Who are we gonna get that's gonna be better? What is the what's the uh you know
0: Yeah, don't worry, the, we got a list. We, yeah. We have a list. <laughs> but
1: I, I don't know. I think that I think that with the news coming out today that puts that puts me at ease but you know I, I was a little bit worried walking out of the stadium yesterday that um that yeah that we would win and then people would say you know what okay look he's not that bad we just beat Florida a team we shouldn't have beat this is we let's just keep on riding and like I do think speak you know when, when you try to think about your think about it all like rationally I do think that that for the good of the program in the future like you do want to get maybe somebody who's just a little bit a little bit more elite but i don't know i i don't know if y'all y'all felt this when when, it, when they finally announced it like today you know and they said that they will part ways and i just i just got an email from taf i clicked on it and um it was coach o's like letter to the lsu fans like thanking them and stuff i was like man this is kind of sad yeah. like and i was I was, you know, I was talking to daniel about this before we started um podcasting today but uh I don't know if we. I don't know if I've ever heard of this happening, where you make the announcement mid-season that the guy is going to be like fired, what he's done after this season. You know, normally it's he's done right now, or yeah. everyone just kind of knows. Yeah, at the end of the season, he's going to be done, but they don't talk about it. But it right. is kinda, it's kind of it's kind of it's an interesting situation.
0: Yeah, what well, happened earlier this year with some other program? Uh, I forget who it was. It wasn't a. I mean, it was a. I think it was a Power Five. Conference. Oh, wait. It was, wasn't it Connecticut? Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, not Power Five. But yeah, but I thought he let,
1: I thought he like quit like that week.
0: Oh, I didn't know. Well, I, I thought he was finishing out the year though.
1: I thought, I thought they said that. And then I thought after like they lost really big, he was like, never mind. I'm just done.
0: Oh, I'm not sure. Well, Maybe you're right. Oh, well, I, no, I, I don't know. I just, I saw the headline and thought, oh, that's interesting. Well, but good, you know, good for them to just let him finish out the year. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I think it's great. Coach O's and, uncharted territory here he's not really fighting for his life i don't even know if he's fighting for his legacy really but uh he gets to do whatever it's like you know it's, he's playing with house money from here on out really literally you know?
1: he's gonna yeah. he'll, he'll, he'll come away with, they haven't announced the, the figures yet but he'll, he'll come away probably at least 10 million i'd say yeah
2: they, they haven't said all the details i'm sure that'll kind of trickle out and people will leak that as the days go on right now literally all we have is that they came to a mutually kind of agreed separation, which you got to think Coach O getting some money. Oh, yeah. And some sort of separation package. Uh, and it, it's interesting to see what will happen as far as assistant coaches and all that, whether he brings anybody with him or whether it's kind of a one-and-done uh, scenario. We also don't really know what's going to happen to Coach O after this. So this is a separate conversation where he lands. But uh, Scott Wilber did say that like the search for the next coach starts now so i mean he's got five plus five ish weeks to really narrow it down i would hope that they already have some sort of short list and that that there is
1: a short well at least you know going around batteries right now there's there there are people reporting there's a short list coming from and that they
2: extend those interest offers to those coaches as soon as possible really because we know how fast the coaching carousel can turn Mm -hmm. if you don't snatch up your guy or girl, but most likely guy (laughs) immediately, (laughs) then uh, they might be slipping through your fingers. And so I'm going to be most interested to see like, what's the the end game here? Like is, after lsu's final game coach O's out and then they announce they a new guy, the guy like day one the next day or like if we do make a bowl game like is coach going to be the coach through the bowl game and then they wait till after That's that because there's been situations before the the coach basically quits like in between and they name the new coach like interim for the the bowl game so that can be a mess a lot of times that happens like when a guy like is has, has already been announced as
1: taking the next uh the next tech like, head coaching job, like, right. Like that's kind of like when a when an offensive coordinator, like gets the head coach job at another school and they're like, he's not going to coach the bowl game. He uh-huh. won't call the plays. Right. Scott, I well, see your hand is raised. <laughs> yeah,
0: sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to cut you guys off, but I wanted to talk about this before we moved on. I just, I don't know. I think maybe already touched on it. I was going to ask, do you think that Scott Woodward had already reached out to someone and at least garnered some interest from this, you know, uh, supposed short list. Like if he'd already reached out to whoever he might've sought, and they said, uh yeah, you know, um, we don't want to, you know, make any decisions right now. We'll see how the season plays out, but yeah, definitely interested. Or oh. like they, they just made this decision for themselves. And like, we'll figure it out after the fact. Ooh. Let's, let's think. Of,
1: okay. Let's think about the timing of this. I didn't, I didn't expect anything to come out about Cocho's uh, job status after a big win against florida it was
2: very surprising i think to most everybody yeah to most everybody i mean like i I, I remember
1: after that game all i thought was oh man like are we getting back on this like you know what let's ride again coach shows back but he's the guy and so like and and also this is and and i'm I, i have to say i'm proud of woodward for this because a very lsu thing we've watched this movie before like the coach fire the coach. He has an embarrassing loss at the beginning of the season on a neutral site to a team, a subpar team. Then he then he loses some games in the uh you know, conference games, just looks bad and then ha- pulls out, then ends up pulling out some like heroic wins in the end, and we keep him for an extra year. This is called less miles. We did this before. Yep. And I'm proud of Woodward for basically sticking to his gun and saying, like, look, I'm proud of, yeah, you know, we're good, we're glad about this win, but for the future of this program, we're going to need to make a change. I do wonder, I don't like Like, like we said, I don't think that this is an out of the blue kind of decision or, or I don't think this is a reaction to the Florida game clearly because we got a big win, which makes me think, okay, maybe this was decided upon like this date. We're going to, we're going to make this, we're going to decide this day, you know, well, maybe this was decided upon earlier. I have to wonder, are we looking ahead to the the next matchup that LSU has and the most floated name pretty much for LSU going forward at Lane Kiffin. Is this almost like a, like an open, like as Scott, as you, as you would know, like open call, like we're going to do an audition.
0: (laughs) Uh, No, I don't know. I would say uh, you, you you could look at it that way. Or, or or Scott Woodward playing some like third level chess here. And it's like Lane Kiffin knows his name has been floated. So they, make this announcement in the week leading up to the game so he thinks am i about to coach against the team that i'm going to be maybe coaching for i don't know i i mean i i think that's just a conspiracy theory for, that i myself <laughs> manufactured but i uh, i don't know i i i don't know I, I think if you know if they really wanted kiffin he's already auditioned for it based on what he's done already i mean he has uh what a five and one or six and one record um he just beat his old team Mississippi he has I don't know maybe an out, outside candidate for Heisman already and he's only been there what two years yeah uh, I, I don't know I yeah you could say that but I I think if you know if they really wanted Kiffin um you know I, I don't know what he could do this year other than just completely lose every other game in, in the schedule remaining to to lose that interest uh I would say that I think part of it also had to do is you know as the product on the field. Even if if Cocho had lost the game against UCLA or he lost against Auburn, you know those teams should have like you know won it outright in in good hard fashion, and they didn't. We just our our team was just not performing up to what we would expect based on what we'd seen before, just with the players that we know we're recruiting. You know you could just tell. The the players were not into it for some reason. This game they were so you can see what a difference a week or two can make. You know, it's like we we know the talents there. It's just maybe just putting the whole coaching scheme together. It's just maybe it's just whoever's in charge. So, uh, but it wasn't just that, guys. I mean, come on, we know there's some uh, you know the whole Title IX stuff. But there's also Coacho's. Uh, let's just say his extracurricular activities. <laughs> you know, that was that was part of it too, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I, I think that all around. Um, well, for, I think from, and, and I've, I've heard, you know, there's within the Baton Rouge circles, the kind of the booster, the booster class, the Woodward class, like that kind of upper echelon of LSU people, um, was never their guy the, you know, that he's that, not a country club guy. Exactly. He's not. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> and that's, and that's who they are. And, you know, and that, and that was kind of the appeal of him in some ways, people liked it. He was, you know, kind of a good old boy from Louisiana down home on the bay, all that kind of stuff. But um, being the head coach of of a of a uh, major college football program in the SEC is is it's like being a CEO. Of course, Coach O actually got he he kind of made the CEO comparison of himself. Like I'm just I'm not going to be an on the field coach. I'm just going to manage the whole thing. Um, And that was you know to a degree true. Then sometimes it wasn't. You know sometimes we always heard about o meddling. But I think that that, like some of the, some of the blunders that you've seen coach O make like with the sissy blue shirt or the most recent one on the radio show, talk about like the, the going, taking a guy drowning him in the bayou or something like that's, that's something that you can't do when you're the, when you're the head and the leader of this great organization that brings in millions and millions of dollars a year. And so I think that's kind of the change that we're going to see. We're going to see more of a guy who's a little bit more business, I mean you think about nick saban that's he's kind of the gold standard and, and like love him or hate him or whatever but he's all business pretty much all the time and um so i th- i think that's kind of something we're going to look at moving towards now i mean kiffin is kind of the is kind of the he's similar he's almost a little bit cut out of the same cloth he's more pol- i'd say he's definitely more polished than oh but he's kind of an eccentric guy so maybe maybe he is a good one to have here just because people people did like that about they in some ways we've always LSU always likes the eccentric guy I mean Les Miles was weird and eccentric too so maybe maybe we do need somebody like that I know the other name that's being floated a lot right now is James Franklin and I do kind of feel like he might be a little bit more of a boring pick so not now that he's not a great coach but um you know I don't know I'm kind of when they first started talking about Kiffin I was a little bit off on it now I'm kind of warming up to it
2: yeah we can talk about some more of the potential names in a second, but one thing that interests me a lot about this development is kind of what's going to happen on the field going forward for the rest of the season. Obviously we're not competing for a national championship or like maybe even a super high bowl game, but how does the, even like the team react? Like, do we just kind of go about the rest of the season? Like a, a lame duck kind of administration where there's no drive because everyone's already looking past coach O like the, the graduating players are looking for the NFL and the other guys are like, I don't even care about playing for this team. Because, might be transferring. Yeah. Because O is not going to be my coach next year. Who knows who will be like now all these kids situations have been thrown up in the air. And so they're all going to be considering that we've already seen several players kind of get injured and potentially kind of opt out without opting out uh, for the rest of the season. And then on the flip side, it's like you almost have nothing to lose because, uh, like, Coach O, he's gone. You can just play as best as you can. Like, there's not so much pressure to win every single game and make the national championship. I think the LSU fans at this point would be happy with a few more wins against SEC teams just to prove that we have a little bit of spark left in us and uh, just show some fight. Yeah, and just hope for next year because, like, yeah, we can beat. Florida and Mississippi State these aren't the best teams in the country but these are SEC wins and if we hang a few more of those on the resume then like next year could look okay with a fresh face uh helming them as long as all the kind of puzzle pieces come together so it could really go very well very poorly or somewhere in between which I think is the most likely situation but uh there's a lot of variables turning and uh we'll also see whether coach O coaches his hardest for the rest of the season that's what i'm worried he interested. knows he knows he's got 10 million dollars or whatever only six weeks away uh how does he motivate these people does he do his best to get the most out of them uh or do is it just kind of a, a zombie walk to the end i mean the main thing <laughs> i'm thinking
0: about
1: <laughs> is uh what is recruiting like how is this class we've got a we've got a pretty good class right now and how 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 does like how do all of our staff members, how does Coach O, like, get on the phone with a recruit and be like, I can't yeah. wait to see you here. He's, calling him, he's like, come on year.
2: down, LSU. Like, we got a great thing going this year. <laughs> and, like, he's gone and <laughs> he's, like,
1: he's like, when you get here, man, you're going to play so good. He's like,
2: you're not even going to be my coach.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, here's the thing is this, like, guys, this was Coach O's dream job. So the, the only thing I could say to that is he would, I don't think he would deter them. He'd say, guys, I wanted you here. I'm not going to be here. I still feel like this is the best place for you. It's a great school, great environment, good program, all that stuff. You know, I don't I don't think he would uh, try and undercut his own success on the way out the door. No, you know, I don't that, think he is either, but way. I do think
1: that – I mean, Daniel brings up a good point. He's like, how hard is he going to try?
0: Well, this if, is the thing is you'd say – Daniel, you said he – it's like a zombie walk till the end. That's what we saw last year and up until about a week ago was a zombie walk. Yeah. He's basically took the less miles of approach. Well, I got, uh, I got a title – Uh, You know, I guess I can just, I'll just out-talent you. And that just, that wasn't working. So I, you know, for better or worse, I'm just going to assume that he's not going to zombie walk for the rest of the season. He wants to go out in style. Like what better way for him to go out is to say, well, you know what? We're going our separate ways, but you know, I finished undefeated. Or after I got, you know, fired, quote unquote, I, I only lost one game and that was to the number I don't know, I don't know what Alabama's ranked, but you know, they were the number 2 team in the country. They're they're still not far behind, right?
2: He, he also does have some incentive to coach pretty hard considering his next job may be hinging on that. If they see like what happened at LSU, depending on where he, his aspirations are, head coaching or assistant coaching, yeah. where in the country, who knows that. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if he's I wonder if he's a guy who's I wonder if he will coach again.
0: I know Syracuse, I heard rumors like Syracuse like they wanted him. He coached there at one point uh you know they they almost beat clemson by the way uh I but watch that yeah, game. He, i don't know i don't know how it would come back like would he just come back as a i don't think he's a defensive coordinator type guy no. maybe a d-line Yep. Uh, or yeah maybe he could go the bopellini route and coach it you know i don't know South what East if he East what if he went like coach
1: like Nichols or something
0: exactly he could go coach his son at uh <laughs> mcneese At mcneese yeah uh, but anyway, I don't know. I, I think uh, I don't think Coach O will just, you know, uh, have a you know what do they call a, a lame duck session for the rest of this season. Uh, no, if, you know if he did, is I just I just did.
1: wonder like how do you? But I do wonder how do you pitch recruits
0: though?
1: But is he recruiting? C-
0: why would he recruit? Unless yeah, he, he, unless that's they, his thing that's he's always on the phone with recruits. No, I mean, why would he recruit to LSU? Is what I'm saying.
1: That's what I'm. That's my point. Is like so what so what do we do about this class?
0: Unless they oh. find
2: a, another name very soon and they're kind of like dangling that to recruits. But you can't really do that because then the, the, that. the recruits are going to cool. leak it and who knows what. Unless we're like, we've got a guy who you're going to be very excited That's, about. Yeah, it's like, it's like is, How excited can you be about anonymous coach number two? Especially if like, okay, like let's just say, let's say um, <clears throat> pretend like
1: you're Marcel Brooks and like and, and Dave Aranda just got fired and you're being recruited. It's like, I don't have a place on this team. You know what I mean? Like, so if you're recruiting it, let's just say I'm, I'm, you know, we're recruiting a guy and the new guy, he, he could be like, well, I don't even know if the new guy is going to have a, have a place for me. Like, I don't even know if I can play on this team right now. And so coach o can be, you know, if he's on the phone or, if, or if one of his you know, staff is on the phone, man, you know, we really want you here. You got to come to LSU. It's, it's kind of like, you know, well, I don't even know if, what, what if, what if like, this is a stupid example, but like, what if we hired a guy from like, navy who ran the triple option and then like walker howard you know what if he's like well if y'all get the if y'all get the triple option guy i have no place i can't i'm not gonna run the triple option so you know i I think that's a challenge i really hope that this all seems very planned like the 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 statements the letters all you know the 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 way it's been it's it's kind of come out so i feel like woodward has a plan I don't think he would do something just I don't think he would jeopardize like the, the future of the program. Obviously, like this is all for the future of the program. So like I'm I'm hoping that it ends up okay. But you know, this is this coming class is one of the best that Louisiana's seen in a while. And I hope we get to to reap, you know, reap that.
0: Yeah. Amen. Um and I think uh, well, like you said, there is, you know, there's some good prospects there at this last game. And we're playing Mississippi away, but, you know, LSU still has some good home games. I, I don't know if they'll all be ranked by the time it happens, but, you know, they, they're still going to be fielding recruits, uh, you know, at home games, and, I don't know, if is winning, I, I don't know, like, I don't know what the fans are going to be like, if they're going to be all in to, to finish this year, because it's, you know, all willy-nilly, and like I said, Coach O could be playing with house money, and they could be seeing some different things on the field, because what does he care? Or, you know, are they, are they he's just going to let the assistants take over, like the um, Corey Raymond's, the Mickey Joseph's, you know, whoever else is uh, spearheading the recruiting efforts. But I would say this, I mean, it starts this week with Ole Miss, you know, it's like uh, we, we got to go up against them. And I think the best thing LSU has going for it from this point on is just playing spoiler, which is what we saw this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, LSU could, I mean, it's it's a tall task to try and slow down Matt Corral and Ole Miss and what you think might be their possible well, he might be on the short list for a new coach uh, here, but it's like they have to stop all that first. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that'll be interesting. I think LSU has a chance. Um, it's you know it's definitely something to build on beating Florida. It was a home game in the morning, which I think they do well with. But now they have to go to Mississippi. So uh, I don't know. What do what, what do you guys think? of their chances are this week? Because you know if they win again, then you're looking at a totally different story. I think.
2: It's going to be a tough game in Oxford. Kiffin's got the Ole Miss rolling pretty well. Uh, Other than their one loss to Alabama, they've beaten everybody. Their offense is one of the best in the country. And like I mentioned earlier, Matt Corral is going to be a problem for our defense. He lit up Tennessee. He only had 231 passing, but he also had 200 rushing. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of harkens back to like when we played Ole Miss two years ago, when we won the national championship, even that game, Corral and Jr. Prumley, who's playing receiver now, they were both gashing us, even though we won the game. Uh, so if we can hold Ole Miss, I think, to like less than 30 points, that's a win. Uh, and is, if we just need our offense to to step up and play like we did this yesterday instead of the Kentucky showing or UCLA. So I think we have a shot. Um, I think right now Ole Miss is predicted uh, the line is, I think, by 10 points. If I'm going to guess, I think Ole Miss wins by a touchdown, by seven. I think that's reasonable, especially at home. And the the talent is fairly comparable, but I think they're just the more complete team. And even this week, past week against Tennessee, which they won by five, they had a few of their like top receivers out. And uh, I think if they get those back, then it could be trouble. But as long as LSU keeps it competitive, then I think that's a, a reasonable result. Yeah, I think um... – kind of like when we talked when
1: we broke down the the florida game the real difference maker for us were those turnovers and i just don't know if matt corral's gonna gonna give us yeah, four turnovers because well,
2: we picked him off five times last year that was uh and then but that, you can't guarantee that turnovers are a fickle thing
1: yeah and, and i mean i i think that he's he's playing on it he's playing him on a much higher level almost than sure. he was last year um if now if, if we can maybe you know maybe well we're not going to have ricks or stingley but let's say let's say we can if i think we if we win the turnover battle then then we're definitely more in it um but if if everything kind of plays out the way that we've seen old miss play when they're when they're at their best i think we're gonna have trouble stopping them um now i think we'll definitely i think we'll be able to move the ball on this defense the old miss defense is not very good yeah um and our offense has been decent you know if we can let's say ty can run it like he did last week. And, and um, you know, that sets up some play action. It sets up some screen plays. It sets up some, you know, maybe some deep balls. um I think we got a chance, but I, you said, you said the lines like at 10 right now. Yeah. 10 and a half almost. I actually think I like Ole Miss covering that. I, I would, I would guess that they win by like 13.
0: I would say if they, if they were to win, it'd be 10 or more. Uh I don't think they would just win by like a, you know, a field goal. I, if fellas, you were to win, I'd say it'd be a touchdown or less, and that'd be great. Uh, you know, on the road against a team that's what, top 15 that you're supposed to lose to? Uh, I, I would say that'd be a, a win. Uh, I mean, uh, that would be overachieving if they were to win uh, by three in, in Oxford, right? Mm-hmm. That'd be amazing. Um, and I, I think it all goes through Matt Corral. Like, I don't think you'd have another five touchdown uh albatross type of game but yeah uh, what you're talking about like two under par (laughs) yeah 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 it's like i don't think you'd have an eagle yeah yeah i don't think you'd have that type of horrible game again uh at least he shouldn't if if he did then you know i I would just say wow our defense is (laughs) getting better each week but um i I would say though if we can stop you know, just take away the run game completely almost like we did against florida and almost like we did um, you know against auburn uh just make him beat us in the air that's where he could you know just throw make some throws where he, he maybe shouldn't or you know, yeah he just forces it into coverage and boom uh even even backup dbu can can grab the ball and maybe go the other way with it another, we'll see. Thing,
2: another thing is that this is kind of one of the big college football games for next week it's yeah, a bit it's of a, a bit of a down week so this is the cbs 230 main game uh which is good to see LSU get picked up after the the 11am kickoff uh the college game day i think is going to ucla versus oregon which is kind of a interesting matchup mm-hmm. uh i don't know how many lsu fans will be cheering for ucla whether we want them to win to make us look better or if that's even a factor
1: yeah i don't know if it really. Means it's that. kind of that's kind awesome. of washed
2: away at this point uh but yeah not not a whole lot of big games uh this past week there was a few big upsets um i guess the big one was purdue over iowa yeah I was excited about uh, that. My, my brother is a Purdue student. He was pumped up. This is the first time, another of the rank 25, first time the ranked since 2007. Uh, I saw a stat wow. that since 2018, Purdue is 2-0 and against top two teams and 14 and 21 against everybody else. Well, it's because they beat they beat Ohio State, right? Right, yeah, they beat Ohio State in 2018. But, like, I guess if you're number two in the Big Ten and you're playing Purdue, you better watch out. But yeah. Well,
0: they have – I saw a similar stat. It said they have seven wins against, like, a top-two team. That's more than anyone in the country, I, I think, since – I forget when the, the end mark was. Maybe it was 2000. But, like, they have seven top-two wins – uh and it's just you wouldn't expect it purdue of all people but it's just you know just people that uh take them for granted and then one week boom uh it's like iowa had that extreme high last week and then now they got the extreme low not a buddy that actually uh is a big iowa fan asked him about he said man i just i knew they were overranked even after they beat penn state they're just he gave me all the reasons why he's like yeah they're just they're they're overranked and They're they're due for a fall. I didn't expect it this soon and not that bad. Yeah, It was was kind
2: of like they were just on the top by default because everybody else had already lost, and they had just made
0: it survive so far on a good defense and a mediocre offense that was due to have some problems. So did you guys get a chance to watch any of the Ole Miss-Tennessee game? Uh, I did not. I did not. I just heard it was wild. I heard about the finish. I I saw some of it, but then just – the the fan reaction to it all, and you know, obviously, it was Lane Kiffin's return to to Nealon, but the fact that that uh, you know just all the stuff that was thrown on the field, he got hit with a golf ball at one point, which is oh really? Yeah, he he made light of it though. He's like, well, at least they were smart enough to use a range ball. <laughs> That's fine. But yeah, it was like a it was after that you know that huge it was like a fourth and twenty four, and I don't know, it was close enough. Like they they probably could have gave it to him. But the, the ruling on the field, or the ruling ultimately was he was short. And so the stadium went berserk and just throwing stuff, bottles. Um, there was even like a, a mustard bottle on I the field. I saw the mustard bottle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just crazy. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, you, you think it's – I get it. It's like uh, Tennessee's felt like they were turning things around. They had two good wins against SEC teams. Josh Heipel's doing well there. And then it's like, here they go. They think they're going to beat their old coach that ran, that left them high and dry. And then they're going to get, you know, supposedly screwed by the refs. Well, there you go.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that'll be interesting. What, I don't know. Were there any other games that you guys uh, saw this week that kind of stood out or like you think has any implications? I mean, Alabama took care of business. Georgia really took care of business. I think we, you know, Georgia seems to be the team to figure out if you're going to be a pretender or a contender, Georgia is obviously the best contender right now. Uh, they made Kentucky look like pretenders. And, man, Georgia's defense, I just – it's like they have – It's a throwback. It's yeah, yeah
2: People are already talking about this Georgia defense being like one of, if not the best, like of all time. Kentucky scored with like two seconds left, but other than that, they have scored seven, and I think they're still averaging – or Georgia's averaging like six or seven points per game, like allowed, which is pretty wild. Also, Cincinnati, with Iowa's loss, moved up to number two, which – I know it's the highest group of five ranking in the um, playoff era. And I think since the BCS is the highest a group of five team has ever been. Did Boise ever get that high? I think they were like top five at one point. I know Houston was like top five under Tom Herman like one year, Uh, but shout out to the Bearcats. They, their hard part of the schedule is gone. They have SMU as the only like even test left. So whether they make the playoff or not as the first group of five team is going to be like super interesting, especially with all the other losses. Oh, also Oklahoma looks like a good team again. Yeah. With Caleb Williams, the true freshman came in and took Spencer Rattler's job because Caleb Williams was down to Oklahoma LSU. And I think one other school and his final recruiting. He was the number one quarterback in the country and committed to Oklahoma and he proved it. He tossed four touchdowns, I think ran for two more. Uh, so that, that trains back on the tracks and they can be scary uh, if he continues to, to play like that.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. It just goes to show you what kind of year it is if the, Preseason Heisman favorite is now just the backup because he got supplanted by, you know, this other guy. But, uh, Daniel, you said uh, Cincinnati's only test left might be SMU. They do play Tulane, don't they? Yeah. You don't, think, you don't think the, the Green Wave can pull it off at home? Uh, well, It's so an because If they're the first Power 5 team to, to possibly make it, that's where I feel like they, they're more susceptible to being tripped up because they just, you know, they just – you know they don't take. They're a, already a eyeing minutes. that that
2: playoff spot. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. I, I wish it would happen, but Tulane actually do play SMU this week, uh, who's undefeated as well, so they could spoil their season. But yeah, Tulane's one in five. I think they kind of they gave it their all against Oklahoma the first week when they almost came close to knocking uh. them off, and then it's just been downhill since then. Uh, and plus, all the hurricane stuff, like playing in Birmingham, is, is tough. And so I don't have a lot of hopes, but. Uh, focus on LSU and hopefully we can get a win against the rebels. That'll make me happy.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think the, now I know Georgia is probably going to be the overwhelming favorite. They have a week off. So does Florida, I think, Uh, but then they play the game in Jacksonville, Uh, the Georgia Florida game, AKA the world's largest cocktail party. Now that could be a good game because uh, you know if they have a week off, maybe Florida can get themselves together. But uh, I don't know. I just think Georgia's way too strong. And then after that, it's just a matter of how they finish to, you know, go to the SEC title game, probably undefeated. Um, and then I, I don't know. Would they play? They might play Alabama again. I don't know if there's anyone else in the SEC West, unless I don't know, unless A and M. Well, no, because uh, they already have two losses. But, um, I don't know, that was that was pretty much it for the football. I mean, we, we covered Coach O, right? I mean, was there anything else? Uh, I think I that about does it for us this week. Yeah,
2: I agree. Maybe we'll have some more details on the O agreement uh, by next week. And if any names have been kind of come to the forefront by then, then we'll definitely report on that. But, yeah, got a big game away, uh, relaxed, watching at home 2.30 after the, the early game this week will be nice. And yeah, a lot, a lot changing, some for the better, hopefully some for maybe not the worst, but a lot changing and uh, we'll,
0: we'll have that coverage. Indeed we will. Tommy, any, uh, any final thoughts?
1: Um, well, you know, I, I'm just ready, I'm just ready to kind of find out what the future of this program is going to be, I, I, but I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better now after, after a good win and kind of, you know, some, so the dust settling, I think we're going to be in a good place this time next year.
0: Yeah, I agree, and um, we will have uh, hopefully some good LSU basketball and baseball to <laughs> take our minds off of it for a little while because uh, they'll be ramping up soon. Uh, but, yeah, that'll pretty much do it for us here on Talking Tigs. Uh, we will uh, keep you up to date if there's any sort of names that kind of surface as a front runner. although I think it's a little premature. I think it's way too early to be talking about coaches because you know, this deal just happened, and uh, I don't know, I think it'll be interesting just to keep an eye on how this team finishes the season, especially Coach O, how, what his outlook's going to be, because they were talking about it during the Florida game, just like every other, you know, this this filler talk that they use in between plays. It was just all about Coach O's future. And, oh, wow, could they really get rid of a guy, uh, you know, two years after a title? I said, well, yeah, they are. Hmm. So now they're just going to be talking about it, all this game, when there's not a play to be uh, broadcasted or discussed. So uh, uh, just get ready for that. Uh, maybe for the rest of the season even. But, you know, if LSU wins out and does well, uh, I think that'll take over the storyline, which would be great. Hopefully Tigers can finish strong. Either way, we'll have it for you uh, next week, starting with Ole Miss right here on Talking Tig. So until then, stay safe, stay tuned, and we will talk to you next time on Talking Tig.